vacation week special week um guest co-host dylan hales last week i don't know if you got a chance to listen to that because you were so busy doing the top 100 matches last week quentin um but uh but that was nice um i don't know what did you uh what did you think about that i listened to you and dylan i thought it was i thought it was really good uh to answer dylan because he had a question for you that i was out of i was not available oh yeah it was for both of us really yeah but that was that was not available to answer if I had to pick right this second, like wrestler of the year front runners, um, obviously David Starr, as he just repeated, and he's still unsigned, that can do whatever he wants, and he's gonna be a be a guy that's in contention for that. But to other people, you mentioned AJ Gray is your dark horse. In my dark horse would be Kylie Ray, and another favorite, I guess, would be would be Daniel Makabe. But my dark horse would definitely be Kylie Ray, as it seems like she's really taking that neck that putting her foot forward in 2020 and if she keeps it up and like unabashedly i'm a big fan of kylie ray but she could make a real interesting run for 2020 so to answer dylan's question two weeks later yeah definitely and since since me and dylan record that podcast we've actually talked in private between me and him about kylie ray and i think we're both all three of us are on the same page as a fan of her talent a fan of her as a wrestler and i saw her Today, even, and I was going to mention this earlier when I saw it, and I it was forgot about it until you just brought it up. I saw her make a Instagram post that was basically the closest thing she's done to really acknowledging any of her situation outside of the wrestling ring, where she posted a picture of herself, no makeup, you know, no, no uh, outfits, no, no retouching, nothing like that, saying, you know, dealing with body issues, something that I personally have also had to deal with, de- dealing with, you know. Uh, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, things of this nature, and just talking about the the strides and the changes that she's made. So it's to see her posting something about mental health when me and you have both kind of 
made our kind of comments about her situation outside of the wrestling ring and the fact that we don't know everything and that it's not out there publicly to see her actually putting something out there publicly about her mental health seems like a positive sign to me personally to say she's going in the right direction. We all have lapses. Nobody's perfect. Things ebb and flow. And we, we, you know, we all have issues behind the scenes in our real lives that cause us to have to take a step back sometimes. um, Even if we are on the, the right path but it is good to see her acknowledging things her feeling comfortable to put it out there in the open and hopefully that does mean a positive for things to come because as of right now you're right if you're doing the maths if you're doing the the spreadsheet counting kylie ray's on on the on the path to having a amazing year in her 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 performance her her and kobe durst was really fucking good like i like i like like people people are kind of shitting on the idea of her embroidering a feud with uh, Robert Anthony and Frank the Clown, and like I, I get it. I would but... say more with the Clown than Anthony, honestly. You yeah, know, but, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying that, like, you know, at its core, and I get it. Like Frank the Clown um, is annoying as shit, and I think he might have some uh, some stuff that's been put out there about him that just like you know makes him like seem like those like this big piece of shit. But at its core, it's the most over baby face in all of Chicago versus the most hated heel in the region in the region too, and like. On paper, that could that, like that could create some incredible atmospheres. And Robert Anthony versus Kylie sounds like it could just be a really good match. And you know, yeah, for, for, you talk for, about. Oh. I was saying just like for whatever direction that goes, and it's like you know, like that could that, that could still be really good. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's what I was gonna say is you talk about it being the most over and loved babyface and against the you know most hated and despised heel, and then that's not even accounting for you know, egotistico fantastico, who's like a, he's a legend in that scene, really. Like, he's a guy who, you know, people outside of the area maybe are not super familiar with, but he has been a big deal there forever. So, you know, you can think of him as like the third wheel in the situation, but to that fan base and to the people paying attention, he's a guy who matters. So, yeah, it's like, it's a it's a big deal all around um, where you've got the backdrop of, of a character that's beloved and a character that's hated, um, mixing in, uh, you know, a really over and talented, you know, <laughs> mileage may vary on what you think about Robert Anthony, but a talented wrestler and, and something interesting there. Um, so this week, to play off of, on top of the fact that uh, that normally I try to be a little bit more explanational on what the names of the shows are, but you gave it away in the top 100 matches of the year I mentioned earlier um, that the name of the show is Quentin and Tim R. Uh, that had not that news had not been broken, so I will say that Brock was correct in in not being 100 percent sure on what the name of this show really yeah, was. Yeah, but it feels like people um, like like other <laughs> people not figure this out by now. I know it's it's pretty basic, but this week we are gender neutral um, in honor of not just the championship in OTT, the uh, promotion of the of the 2019, but also in honor of uh, NXT and their new uh, women's championship. That's I guess gender neutral because now it is just the NXT championship. They didn't mention, I guess the the. The title, I guess you can't even say like just the NXT championship now. You have to like be clear. The title that Adam Cole has right now is just called the NXT championship, right? Oh, and then oh, the man, title oh, that man, yeah, Ripley. Fuck, fuck, no, fuck this. <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> I hate this. This is terrible. Yeah. What? <laughs> Why? It's like, it's really like woke signaling in the worst possible fucking way from a company that has a history of being insanely stupid in general but like what 
this is like a posturing thing that makes no sense and really doesn't help anything and doesn't seem like it's necessary. Is this... Do you think that this is a response to Triple H making that stupid-ass joke about Paige? Like, do you think that he wanted to have something? I was going to say, I think it's a response to uh, Tessa Blanchard winning the title in Impact. Like, like, I feel like like it might be that. I guess that could be it, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes more sense, right? Just because, like... You know, I always... I'm going to frame things in in the context of Triple H thinking about himself more than people outside of it, but you're probably right. Just be, just because it's like, well, if you're still separating the the um the divi- the, the the divisions, these fake divisions by uh by, <laughs> by, by 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 sex and or gender, why are these? Now, why is it now the NXT Championship? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, if, if it's all if it's all the same, if it's all if it's all different titles breaking up, broken up in different things. Like the NXT North American title, like it's the NXT North American title. The NXT Tag Title is the NXT Tag Title. I don't know why we're doing it with these two things, especially if we're gonna keep them in separate divisions. Um, that's something people have talked people have talked about with uh with the impact title and how Tessa Blanchard is holding it. And it's like, well, they're going to get rid of the knockouts division. And it's like, well, no, you can easily, easily explain that away as to where, you know, some women might not, might not want to fight men and go and go and go and go up in that, go up in that, uh, go up in that division. So like, you can sort of explain that one away. This one is just like, why? It's like, I don't don't even think it's like well-intentioned. It's doing it just to do it. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it has much of a grime or reason to it. It doesn't seem like it makes sense. And and as you say, like if it is a backlash to the TNA thing, it's like TNA would have grounds to do something like that right now. But like honestly, it's more opposite because it's like you kind of need more division to make things clear in their situation. And WWE is doing it with no – there's nothing behind it. Nothing about it makes sense. So it really feels like it's a change in name only. It's like when you you know you get that – get that promotion at work and it's, oh, this is a promotion in title only and not in pay. And it's like, okay, great. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that, you know? Because, uh, like, what good does this do? And you mentioned kind of divisions and places where you can make this work. and Or, you know, I mentioned the OTT Championship. One thing, you know, if people followed the old podcast that I did this week in wrestling, we had uh, Matt Griffin on from Action Wrestling. And... I talk, I asked him about that, you know, specifically because it felt like their divisions were blurred and women wrestled men and they had a championship that wasn't defined and they didn't have a women's championship. And Matt said, our division is open. Our Basically, he said that, you know, the action championship is gender neutral. And from the beginning, it's not something that he's made a big deal out of, but it's just the truth of the situation. Or, you know, or, they don't you know, have. Or, or, or freelance, you know, they, you know dating, right. dating back to the days, like, you know, Kylie Ray holds the belt now and Sally Stitches was a, was a, was a, was a big prominent member of the of the freelance title picture for a, for a long time, and freelance never made a big deal out of it, and it's just weird because you know WWE never going to do intergender wrestling in the way that in the way like the rest of the wrestling world does intergender wrestling, so it just it just doesn't make much sense as to why as to why it's happening, and it's, again like it goes back to the point of just doing it just to do it, right? Yeah, because it is it 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 really doesn't make any sense because they do have a men's and a women's division. If they had an inclusive division, if they had inclusive divisions, you could make them weight classes. You could do whatever you wanted to make it make sense. You can do what impact is doing, which honestly to me still kind of doesn't make sense, but I understand it in some ways because you can say, 
you know, that there is that kind of grandfathering in. There is the historic value that we used to have a knockouts division that was separate. And some people can, you know, stay in that division if they choose, while others can choose to be in, you know, involved in either division. And that, honestly, in a lot of ways, that makes sense even in a sports context. And it makes sense in, you know, an impact TNA historical context because they also had the X division, you know. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits, to steal a quote from Mike Tanay, where... It was a very nebulous division that was like the only reason why you're in the division is because you choose to opt in, right? There wasn't right. there wasn't like something that made a real rule about the division. Samoa Joe wins the, you know, X Division Championship. You've got historically a lot of different people winning or, or, the X or even Division. A, or, or even Doug, a recent Doug year. Williams. Like, even in recent years, people like fucking uh like like I think like Michael Elgin being around being around the X Division, you know? Like Right. Like, 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 there's, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 there's way, there's ways to do that, and it's just like, of course, with this one in WWE and everything WWE does ever, they just do shit just for the sake of doing things. Perfect. Good for them, you know. And and you know, speaking of places that uh, are really popular or have historically done a lot of uh, intergender wrestling, and maybe they'll be debuting a gender neutral championship at their big uh, network pilot. We've got Beyond Wrestling. Filming a television wrestling network pilot. What if a? Uh, what do you think about this? This is one of the weirdest kind of non thing things going on right now on wrestling Twitter. Um. So this actually spawned an interesting discussion in uh in the uh, in, in, in the often mentioned Slack chat as to what wait what do you call we should a wrestling? Open, you know what we should do is get a, a Patreon for the 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 network feed here and if you do like fifty dollars a month you can be in the slack chat because yeah, we talk about it so much fifty dollars a month you can be in the slack chat but it's 50 because we don't we don't actually want anybody in it so. yeah exactly we pick a number that's like uh, you know a tr- like audacious so that no one actually does it but yeah um but yeah it was a conversation in, in the chat and we're and i was asking like well what indicates a wrestling boom then if you know people doing like crazy business like this is where like people might be getting like TV deals and getting money thrown at them and getting offered to do network TV pilots. Like what else would indicate a wrestling boom? And again, we like, we have, we have yet to see what the, like what the, how this is going to work for beyond. We'll see uh, when they wind up taping the show and when they wind up distributing it to whatever network that they're pitching it to, like how, how this goes, but between MLW getting, getting money thrown at them a AEW having AEW getting that extension. Impact is Impact is safe for now after Anthem bought Access TV. WWE and their in their deal, um, and in their billion dollar deals, and now beyond possibly being in the game too to get on TV. Wrestling is being viewed as a very profitable like thing right now, and just like to have the content there. And wrestling is guaranteed content, um, you know, hour two hour every week to fill, up, to, fill, to fill up those time blocks. Like, it's now more than ever, it looks like wrestling is going to be all over the place. And I'm hoping that it does, I'm hoping that Beyond does does get to make this thing work. And, you know, from Beyond's uh, streaming numbers, which apparently they're just killing it every single week. Uh, American Rana last year was their highest attendant American, American Rana to date. Like, the, Beyond is one of those promotions where it's been around for a long time, has done good, done good business for a long time. But they're one of those promotions I'll point to. If there's a if there's a wrestling boom going on right now, Beyond would very much be front and center of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it was Pursuit, right? That's a network. Um, yeah, Pursuit, and they uh, had the, used, to, used to air Impact. Yes. 
Yeah, and what I heard was that they're still in the market for a wrestling show now that Impact has left. So that's one of the rumors. I don't know if Beyond was directly the company they heard, but I had someone, heard someone mention that there was another company even that was like looking for TV and people were questioning like, oh, where is there a TV deal? And they basically I heard someone pointing out that like Pursuit is still in the market for a TV show now that they don't have Impact. So there is an opening in the market even just there that you know that's an anecdotal point but i think that there's a lot of networks that are probably going like well you know fox bought this smackdown they've got smackdown you've got tnt signing this huge you know not insanely huge when you think about raw but very huge when you just are smackdown um for, 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 very for, huge for, for a company that's only wrestling. been around for like 16 17 weeks and is getting extended through is, is getting extended through th- another three years <laughs> yeah that's a big yeah. deal with a fourth year option that has like a skyrocketing you know rights fee which is insane to think about um so yeah i mean there's a lot of big money getting moved around for wrestling and I heard someone mentioning this and I, you know, heard it explained a little bit from people who are in the industry because I do live out here in Los Angeles. Um, that like you notice that movies there tends to be like this weird thing where like a movie comes out and then there's like a, a similar movie that's like exactly the same at the same time coming out or like similar premises. You got like, you know, Deep Impact Armageddon stuff like that um, that happens. And that is because like a script gets bought and then other studios are like, oh, that script is getting bought. That kind of movie is popular right now. Right. Well all of this wrestling getting bought is making all the channels go, Oh, wrestling is popular. You know, like they don't really look at anything. They don't pay attention. So it's just like the stock market. It's all speculation. So what is a wrestling boom, but speculation, I guess like at this point, it used to be the wrestling boom actually meant getting fans to show up. But now a wrestling boom just means getting these media companies to think that wrestling is popular. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the situation. Um, the other story here that I got from uh, the Core Wu um, on Twitter, the uh, you know the shadow producer of the of the podcast, is about William Ever getting uh, suspended from Progress for a for a fan incident. My only take on this is that I hope that you know William Ever can get his previous legal counsel from his uh, contract with uh, Sebastian, um, and he can get Chuck Mambo to come in and find a loophole to help him get through the suspension. I don't know if you have any opinions on this. It was just. Did, did you actually watch the video of the spot? Nope. So he like he has this person he has this person um in this uh it's a big uh like big blow off like like no DQ six man tag between do not but do not resuscitate and it's I think it's against OJMO and and IC uh and Ever has this person in, a, in like a fall away slam position and he like fakes he's gonna like he's gonna do it on one side of the crowd. But then he goes back. But then he circles back to the front of the to the front of the to the front of the row and just throws this person with no warning at all. And like, dude, like you're throwing a whole person, <laughs> like like direct, like, <laughs> like you can't do that. Like at least with like, well, with like chairs or whatever. Like you can like you or, or like throwing like throwing someone in the chairs, like uh, just like an Irish whip or whatever. You can like people can like see that, get out the way, grab their jacket, move their stuff or whatever. Like to throw. To throw someone into a seated person is like <laughs> I don't I don't understand, dude. And like William Ever should know better. It's not like he's like he's not like he's some rookie. He's been he's been wrestling for what going like going on six years. He should know better. Yeah, but he was trained in the he was trained in the projo and he's predominantly wrestled in, in progress. I mean, I get where you're coming from. He's been wrestling for a long time, but is he really a veteran? No, I'm not, he really, he, you know, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying he's a veteran. I'm just saying that when you're when you wrestle for that long. 
like, like it just seems like that's common sense that you should know better just as a as someone that's been in the wrestling business but again like his his growth was stunted so really like how much wrestling has he actually done coming from the pro joe and not and like you know like you know having like other shoot job stuff so not really wrestling and getting out as much as he maybe could have so like, i get it that maybe his like his wrestling growth was stunted but still six years in wrestling and you're doing something like that i mean it's it's really i think personally it's really easy when you're kind of young and dumb even at his age even at his level of having wrestled to like you kind of do something and you continue to do it and you forget that like bad things can happen i find myself doing that sometimes when i'm driving or like parking or whatever in my car it's like because nothing has ever happened. Sometimes I'll be like doing something and I'll like have to remember like, oh yeah, you can like you can get in an accident. You know what I mean? Just because it never happens doesn't mean that it's not possible. And it's like sometimes I think it's possible to just like forget that like doing every stupid thing that pops in your head isn't gonna always just work out, you know. But it was a definitely a boneheaded move on his part and you know, but this is progress. This is the same company that had, you know, the stuff with Spike Trevay spitting champagne in people's faces. Like, this company doesn't have a great history of, like, <laughs> you know, making sure that people, like, make the best decisions, I guess, in when they're always in the ring. Who knows? Um, either way, uh, we're talking about drawing and crowds and stuff. Two big shows happened last night. I don't know if you got a chance to catch either of them, but I wanted to kind of just talk about some some you know, real quick thoughts from them with uh, 3 2 one Battles, uh, Battle Rumble, and uh, uh, GCW, uh, what was it, Just Being Honest? I don't yeah, know if you got yeah, a chance yeah, to watch yeah. either of these at all. Nah, um, I was like, yeah, between the top 100 and like other stuff that I've, that I've been trying to watch, uh, Josh watched NXT last night, trying to get to, we're trying to catch up, catch up on AEW. Um, I, like, I was only barely, like, I was like, you know, you know miraculously able to, able to catch up catch black label pro catch some of the mtw show i think i think we're gonna review next week so yeah i just have i just haven't been able to catch either of these yeah and these are not shows that we're going to fully review on the podcast so i'll just give some quick notes on these and then maybe a couple other matches that i think you probably did see from some other shows um but yeah talking about you know being from la and talking about drawing crowds the fucking gcw show in la i don't know how they did but the building did not look full on the VOD for me. Um, decent show. I mean, really, a lot of what you would expect. AJ Gray, Chris Bay had a great opener. Um, probably the best match on the show, which is saying a lot on a show that also has a David Starr match against, you know, a guy who could be in your conversation for Wrestler of the Year. Or not Wrestler of the Year, but he could be in your you know top 100 list for Wrestler of the Year in 2019 against Chris Dickinson. But, uh, but no, uh, uh, Bay and AJ Gray had a real corker of a match to open it up. Um I didn't even watch the, you know, Jimmy Lloyd versus Joey Ryan match because why would I waste my fucking time? Blake Christian versus uh, Arise. Good. I mean, the only things notable is like the gif that everyone saw where Blake Christian does the dive and lands standing on a chair. I think everyone saw that online. That was pretty cool. The only other thing. Yeah, that was really cool. Another thing that didn't, I didn't see all over the place was uh, Arise hits like a gory bomb, gory special kind of thing. And, uh, Blake kind of over twists and lands himself like pancaked into like a like a jackknife cover on his neck completely that just looked fucking sick. So I would say like that was those are kind of the cool spots. Uh, Dickinson versus David Starr. Interesting. Like I said, two guys who had fucking phenomenal years last year. One guy probably wrestler of the year for 2019. Another guy, like I said, could be in your top 100 conversation. And they had a match that fit 
that level of quality, but just felt like it had no soul. And it's really impressive from two guys who made their 2019 bones off of having really cool connections to the crowd. Dickinson and beyond and David Starr basically everywhere. And this match was like, felt like going through the motions. The crowd, and I'm looking in the crowd and I'm seeing fucking people I recognize from, you know, PWG and other SoCal indie shows. And, and it's for some reason, because it's GCW, they just feel like they're not, they're not the same kind of wrestling fans. You know, they're, they're, they're really just not into it the same way that they should. They're popping for all the big moves and all that stuff, but they're not, you know, they're just not really invested in anything. So whatever, uh, six way scramble fuck match, you know, it, it is what it is, but it, this match was cool to me because it's like Jake Atlas gets signed. And I think he was the guy you would think of in LA, SoCal, California in general to be in a match like this and stand out. But as soon as he's gone, you've got three or four other guys who can basically fill in his place. Um, Starboy Charlie, who I think is a guy that more people should pay attention to. He had a really awesome match with Jake Atlas actually last year. He had he's had multiple matches with him, but he particularly had a great match with him last year that's on YouTube that I would recommend people check out. Um, he looks great in here. Uh, Adrian Quest, obviously. Matt Vanguard. Slice Boogie, who's a East Coast guy who's recently moved to L.A., um, doesn't fit that same vein. He's more of a brawler, but he's got big personality. Kind of reminds me a lot of ways of like a homicide with his promo style. Maybe Eddie Kingston homicide. Not at that level. Not as good. Not as good in ring. Not as good as a promo, but has that same kind of vibe. So a guy to, to pay attention to. He could start to check out, to stand out. Um, otherwise, I mean, Tony Depp and Mance Warner, whatever. RSP versus Effie, another whatever personality stuff. Gage versus Matt Justice, you know, fine. Um, Gage is obviously, you open up the show and you've got Kevin Gill talking about Gage's brother passing away, uh, you know, just recently. And then Gage has got the big kind of emotional send off at the end of the show talking about that. So, you know, that's kind of cool. But otherwise, I mean, fine show, but just it's weird to think like GCW is this, you know, big dime deal. But it's like, I don't know. I just didn't see it here. I didn't see you know, it's L.A., so it's not their home base, but it did not feel like a well, it, was, it wasn't like it was like a big show either, like. It didn't have some insane draw, and really, like, you know, it's cool that GCW can run can run all these places and do like and do decent numbers. But I do think them like they ran three they ran three shows already. Yeah, right. and, yeah, and like I, I, at some point, like you know, it's like it's gonna like that novelty is gonna start wearing off. As well, like right now, it's the premier darling indie, but I'm not sure that G that GCW is gonna be able to keep this up and like keep touring the country with just like having like decent numbers and everything. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll, we'll see, we'll right. see though. Yeah. No. Like, like, like the, yeah. a New Jersey based promotion has ran Texas and LA this year already. <laughs> and Japan. Yeah. Or I guess Japan is in a couple days, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about that, that they're doing all that. And maybe if they had more draws here, I mean, they had some locals and some maybe not exactly locals, but some people who are familiar with the West Coast scene and like Chris Bay and Starboy Charlie and, and the people that I mentioned there. But they didn't have any local draws, you know, any, any big time you know, people who make a difference in L.A. They just had their guys. Um, so that would maybe be the next move for them is to to now start thinking about, like, what do we have to do to actually draw in this you know area and actually put on a show that stands out? Or maybe they don't have to worry about it and they just keep you know, bringing in as many people they, they do. But to me, it seems crazy that they have David Starr on the show, who's like, you know, and even Dickinson as well. It's like, why the fuck? These guys aren't local. They're not from here. They're not even, like, really GCW acts. So why are you flying them out to California to be on this show? But I guess, you know, they, they did partner up with a couple other promotions in the area. So maybe that makes 
everything a little bit cheaper. I'm not sure. Uh, then the other show, like I said, and one guy who was definitely conspicuous in his absence at the GCW LA show who was on this show is B-Boy, as we have a 3-2-1 battle, battle rumble last night. I've only watched the rumble and the uh, championship match at this point. Uh, really enjoyed Desi Dorada versus uh, Daniel Makabe for the championship there. Uh, really nice, awesome fight. I'd recommend people check that out. And the rumble was good. Uh some cool stuff, and then big shout out to uh, to the finish. I really liked the final two coming down to the Hall sisters. And spoiler alert for anybody, Quentin yourself, you can even plug your ears. The the winner of the match ends up being Liza Hall, um, and gets a title shot basically coming up at three to one Battle Mania. So that was uh, a lot of fun having the finish coming down to the Hall sisters, having Liza get the win because they're two people who feel like they. I mean, the final three was them two and Kikio, which is cool to have the finals coming down to all women, but. But the Hall sisters feel like people who have been in 3-2-1 battle forever, for as long as I've been paying attention to. But really, 2019, 2018, maybe a little bit, 2019, felt like their breakout years as singles competitors. So it was really cool having them start out 2020 in a big way. Yeah, like, um, I'm definitely gonna go. I'm definitely gonna go back and check and check out for the for the title match. You you, you should notice about me. I'm not a big Rumble match guy, so I might so I might not go right. back and, and go back for that whole thing. But yeah, like like. But uh, Maccabi versus Liza, I'm very, 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 very much into. Um, did you catch that Orange Cassidy got announced for Battle Mania? Yeah, Orange Cassidy. Um, a couple other names, right? Um, but yeah, as of right now, Orange Cassidy. So that's interesting, especially because he's signed to AEW, but he's making his debut in in three to one battle. So that'll be uh, very interesting. Um, also got uh, Alex Zane and Kimberly also announced for the uh, for the the Battle Mania, so that'll be. Oh, Kimber got announced. A lot of them. Yeah, Kimber got announced. Like, Alex Zane, Zane like, Alex Zane is like always cool to always cool when he shows up there, but that's like kind of like a surprise. Kimber, okay, right. like that, yeah, yeah, that's okay, that's cool. She's had very few matches. Yeah, I can't. The last time I think she was there was uh, she was part of the uh, uh, trios that also included um. Chris Wolf kind of making her one of her retirement matches. Okay. And I think that might have actually been at Battle Mania last year. Um, possibly even the year before. No, it would have been last year. Um, but yeah, so so that's cool having her come back and hopefully they can put her in something because that match was good, but it was it was really the Chris Wolf show. Right. It would be cool to see her having a uh, having a showcase singles match because for you know lover hater i know that you obviously we've had a long history of you hating and disrespecting kimberly and and she does not deserve the slander that you give her (laughs) but uh she is one of the better women wrestlers out there today in the american indie scene so hopefully they give her something and i think like her she's had she's had a weird post WWE career where she's only worked about worked in a couple of places and for her and for her talent level she should like it's it's kind of it's kind of weird that she hasn't gotten Opportunities to do it. Opportunities to do anything. Or really even shown up in other places. Like shown up in a AW or Impact, and really been like a like a a good help to or to a, to a division over there. Um, could you know obviously probably a, pers- a personal decision that she's that she's not working in a major and working in a major company right now because she obviously has the talent. But yeah, like I know like I, when I first started watching Beyond, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really into Kimber, but for 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 sure she should be. In the major in a major company and like helping helping one of those divisions out. Yeah, and it feels like, I mean, obviously her fiance is a big part of Impact, and they have they've always had a pretty solid 
you know, women's division, especially with women who can really go, you know, and women who can have some bruising, stiff competition. And Kimber fits that mold. So yeah, like, it kind of feels like that's the natural fit for her. Yeah, you know I'm saying like her, like her, Jordan, Taya, all being like the faces of the Impact Women's Division, like that would make a ton of sense. So right. I'm, I'm yeah. a little surprised that we, have, that, we haven't, that we haven't seen that. Yeah, and I mean, even you know now, kind of the face of the NWA Women's Division in in Siena, she when she yeah. was in Impact made sense too. But now she's gone, you know. So it's, it is kind of like I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I guess maybe she's just you know she's still toxic from all the rumors that talk about what happened with her in NXT. I don't know. Um, either way, moving on. How much uh, we talked about it when I was on with Dylan, but the Stay Cold uh, Sup Wrestling. Did you watch any of that at all? I watched the whole show. Watched the whole show. What did you think? Oh, mostly, mostly really liked it. Um, in, in particular, I really liked uh, Kevin Koo versus Daniel Makabe and Lee Moriarty versus Nolan Edwards. I thought both, I thought both of those were really good. Uh, you know, you know me, Dom, Dom, Dominic Rainey versus Logan Stunt. I was very excited for, and so, in a match that I was eagerly anticipating uh, the like the, the entire time after that. Uh, well, after I, after I got introduced to Logan, really, and then after that. Dominic Garini gauntlet match. Uh, so I, I enjoyed all that. I enjoyed all that stuff. Cole Radder versus Allen Angels I thought was really good too. And the main yeah. event, like I, I, I didn't think very highly of uh, Kurt Stallion versus Brett Eisen. Uh, you know, I'll, 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 leave, I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. Not, like, not, not that I'm afraid to give my <laughs> opinion there or anything. I just, I just don't have, I just, I just didn't like it. And, you know, uh, Kurt Stallion versus Bobby Flacco is significantly better. And I just I just yeah. didn't enjoy what they what they did there with uh, Stallion and Eisen. Yeah, I liked. There was a lot of stuff on this show that I liked, but I felt like the the sequencing of the show and kind of the way everything flowed from match to match didn't didn't work as well for me. Um, but also, it was an angle heavy show. There was a lot of narrative being driven, and you could kind of you could see the way that that flowed in the storytelling of the show. So it's kind of like. You know, what is it? You kind of have to, like, take the good with the bad double-edged sword. And it's kind of like you put together a show that makes sense um, narratively. And maybe it suffers from the way a card is structured for me personally. And and I'm a bit old school in that I like a show that's set up where it feels like the match is built. From, you know, least important to most important. And it didn't feel like that was... And even in-ring quality. I, I would like a show that kind of builds from the quality of the matches. Continue to increase and get better and better. There's one show we'll talk about next week that i think did a really good job of that um but uh but yeah this show i think just had some hiccups there and i will call out one thing because i think uh i don't remember who i heard but i heard someone referring to wheeler yuda as the second coming of a ricky steamboat and i think that that's unfortunately overlooking um the true second coming of ricky steamboat here in the uh bone storm championship match with cabana man dan wheeler yuda might be the third coming of ricky steamboat or something <laughs> but, uh, but yeah cabana man dan's the original second coming of ricky steamboat because he is the uh you know he's got that entire vibe and everything about ricky steamboat pretty sewed up there but yeah i'm with you on a lot of the matches i i think one match that stands out and you mentioned it but could get overlooked by a lot of people cole radrick versus alan angels i would cole definitely radrick, recommend cole, alan angels is, is a very good uh Guys, that's not gonna get like very like very pushed. I don't think any of these any of these promotions, but uh, he, he's 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 a great guy to have around in on any on any in any on any roster. And Cole Radrick's gotten really really good, man. Um, yeah, guy that you know used to be around like all like the Midwest Indies and everything. And 
obviously like you know him being part of IFHY all those guys are like developed and really like found their thing and groove in the wrestling world and it's like you know, Cole Radrick like the, that's that's a guy that I, I really think could have a could have a strong year. Um, yeah, I think coming coming into twenty nine coming into twenty twenty, I think he's still the paradigm pro world champion in Indiana. Uh, I think he's he's probably going to wind up getting more bookings in in the southeast. I think, and shit, shit, man, I, I think Cole Radrick is really on pace to become become a really good guy here. Uh, Lee Moriarty and Lee Moriarty and, and Nolan Edwards. I I saw this and I knew that I knew that Lee Lee had. Uh, a couple of matches with Alex Shelley and AIW that I didn't get a chance to see from 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 2019. So, but I was familiar with what he offers and Nolan Edwards I've seen before. I love this, and I thought this was just as good as as Koo versus as Koo versus Dan. Yeah, I thought for me, I thought it was a really good debut matchup for the two guys. But I think it also it kind of wet your appetite without going overboard. So I, I'm I'm with you in that I really enjoyed it. I, w- I don't know if I'd put it on the same level as the Koo Dan match just because that it felt like guys who not holding back, but definitely keep getting you intrigued and excited to see more. Um, right. While I think that Dan and and Koo are established enough to where they were going out there and, and they could go all out. Um, either way, still great match and two guys. Three guys, four guys, really, that you're talking about all there with Angels, Radrick, Moriarty, and Nolan that are all guys who are poised to have big 2020s. And I think that Radrick, yeah, and, and all of the IFHY guys that you, you mentioned there, they all have this fucking nuttiness to them where it's just like the shit that they pull off sometimes is just so crazy. Like, it's 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 really fun to watch and it's it becomes infectious to see young kids who are pushing the envelope and seem like they're having a lot of fun out there. Um, um like, it's like, I, I, said in, I said in the chat, but like IFHY would have been a hit in 2011 CC, 2011 CCW. And I oh, think that, yeah. and I think that now like with GCW becoming what it is, if GCW had any interest in like generating actual heel heat or having any action or having any stories, I think IFHY could be huge in GCW. Well, yeah, and I mean, and I just completely punched my microphone. If anyone heard that, and and the thing is, is that because of where they come from, you know, being kind of a God, I can't even think. I'm not sure if I even know the the name of that area. Is that the Midwest? Anyways, um, yes, yes, Midwest. Like they're where all, they're, they're from? They're from, they're from Indiana, I think. Yeah, so they all could be easily connected to ricky shane page and you could just have this heel faction of invaders oh, doing fucking man, that shit would, that would rule I did, that, I did, I, that would rule. own yeah that would be the best thing that you could have going right now but you know do they really want again does gcw really even care about something like that i don't know whatever that's fine um we talk about invaders another show that had a uh, kind of a battle lines being drawn show and really kind of a sister show to that show that we were just talking about the uh, action streets of rage i don't know how much of this you watched also um not much to talk about here for me personally but i will you you mentioned kurt stanley and bobby flacco great match main event ac mac versus kevin Koo. another match kevin Koo match that really i felt or i guess it wasn't another kevin Koo match but a kevin Koo match that i thought really was intriguing interesting and good and then the finish just left me a little bit flat because it was who's a, who's really had a really, a really good year um from the, yeah. Dan, from the from the Dan match to this match here to the Baron Black match at New South, I think Koo has had a really strong year singles wise, and I'm, I'm I'm curious I'm curious to keep watching his singles stuff to see if he he keeps it up for me. But uh, Koo might Koo might be in for a career year. 
Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it is. And you know, he made my top fifty list last year. I don't think I don't think he made yours. He didn't, didn't but, make uh, mine. Yeah, but I do think that there's a there's a good chance of him doing you know repeating for me and probably even possibly you know being a little bit higher here just because so far he's having a great year. But as I said, like this ends with a an angle Tennessee versus uh, uh, is it Atlanta? I guess. Um, Kind of thing. Yeah, t- the, uh, like Tennessee versus 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 Atlanta, or you, you could just go Georgia here. But you know, it's really like a state yeah. versus a state versus state thing going on right now. Yeah, and and you've got an interesting dynamic where people are heels and baby faces switching depending on what region of the country, which wrestling show they're on, kind of switching back and forth, and and it's all kind of interconnected through IWTV. But it'll be very interesting to see how that develops moving forward because, like I said, this match was good. It was intriguing, but maybe it suffered for me personally because of the finish. But if that pays off into bigger, you know, pays dividends in the end into a bigger storyline playing off of everything, perfect. And we're right at the perfect time where you could peak something like this at a big, you know, IWTV family reunion show WrestleMania weekend or something. So it's definitely putting that money in the bank when it comes to storytelling and building a a big time story. And you've got, again, I talked about it a little bit last year where we talked about who's Got, or I talked about who's got the real kind of you know argument for being the top guy in IWTV universe. And as the universe expands, it still feels like you've got the arguments are, you know, AC Mack, maybe now Brett Eisen a little bit, you know, Warhorse obviously is the champion, and Daniel Makabe, you know, maybe he's getting kind of downgraded a little bit as Kevin Koo is moving up. He beats he beats uh Dan Makabe in SUP, and then he also is involved in this match, where in the end the storyline dictates, you know, that he's he's part of the big time feud. So very interesting as the IWTV ecosystem not only expands, but also maybe like people are moving around and, and things are becoming more contentious. So cool stuff. Uh you mentioned from the the free freelance show, and I was going to kind of talk about it a little bit, really the only match that mattered was the, the Kylie Ray versus Colby Durst match. You already mentned that kick ass yeah, match. Yeah, I, 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 I really gotta out. reiterate though, like Kylie is <laughs> like and, Col- and Kobe is a guy that is very consistently good, but I don't think he's ever gonna yeah. uh you know probably probably never gonna get the credit he deserves, but he's been, he's been a very consistent guy for like the last like five like five years or so. But Kylie's unreal in that match, man. It, it was it was it was a sight to see. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that she is she's something else. I mean, there is very much an argument to talk about her in like a special category of babyface, and and this is a match that that shows that off. And there's also another match on the show that's kind of our main event for the evening. Um, but before we get into that, if there's anything else you want to talk about, any matches you caught. Um, Obviously, I'm a very right now a very IWTV, very America centric, and have been for honestly about a year at this point. And I could branch out a little bit more. I'm planning on it, especially now that I found out that there's a uh, faction in All Japan that includes uh, Jake Lee and uh, Fuminori Abe. So that's uh, definitely getting yeah. my uh, intrigues percolated. Think, but is there anything? I think they're called Viper. Um, yeah, which is a terrible name, but whatever. Um, um, I caught, but, I caught uh, the, is there anything? Um, I caught the okay. top two. I caught the top, top two matches from uh, from Stardom, from Stardom's Kirk and uh, Arisa, Arisa Hoshiki in versus uh, Utami Hai, Hai Shishida in Watanabe versus Mayu Watani. The Hushi, Hoshiki Utami match is good. I like it. 
uh, it's like it has hardway blood off of Koshiki um, uh, driving Utami's face into the apron, which is which is wild. Uh, and then and then after the the blood really starts to like uh, starts to cover Utami's face, Hoshiki starts like smiling while while putting Utami in this cobra clutch, and then makes for like a really neat but like un- but unsettling visual and something that we have never seen from Hoshiki. You know, I don't like. I can see some people saying like they liked it more than the main event. Yeah, Mo- and Momo versus Mayu, which is you know, for my money, the like two of the three best workers in the company, going going up against each other. And I think now I have a I have a I have a bigger have a better uh, more of an appreciation for for Mo- for Momo after reevaluating the Jungle Kiona match and made my top ten for 2019. And yeah, for for what it is, like sort of like you know, like more typical uh, uh, Japanese title match wrestling with. Some early limb work that maybe that maybe doesn't uh get get uh, fo- get followed throughout the entire course of the match, but like again, like that's not a thing that bothers me as you can do more than one. Th- you can do more than just work on a limb. I thought the work I thought the work was really good, but I think they lost me towards the end with the with the bomb throwing. But it's it, I, I enjoy I enjoyed that too, and something from from Wrestle Kingdom week really that we didn't get to talk about. Uh, Goshiozaki versus Kaito Kiyomiya. Really love that. Some people are giving that match, giving that match of the year hype. I'm not quite, I'm not quite that level on it. I'm at, I think four and a quarter on that match. I really enjoyed it, but just narrowly misses that next level for me. Amazing Goshi Ozaki performance in the best Kaito match since 2018, which you know, which says a lot. Uh, and Hayata versus Yoshinari Yoshinari from the same show. Phenomenal Gawa performance. Hayata could have been better, but I thought he sold it just enough as to where it was. It didn't feel like Ogawa's performance was wasted. Um, and that's about and that's about it for me as far as far as far as Japanese stuff that maybe we didn't get to talk about. Yeah, and uh, you know, you know, obviously, hashtag UK wrestling is dead. Um, so neither one of us are going to mention anything from there. Um, I did want to check out Progress 101 Dalmatians, uh, but. Just didn't get a chance to it. But if you are interested in some UK wrestling talk, I would recommend British Wrestling Experience. Our buddy Jamesy is on there talking about uh, matches of the decade from the UK and a lot of really cool stuff there that he mentioned that as he's talking about it got me a little nostalgic for back when me and you both were falling in love with the uh, the UK scene and especially shouting out a match that was a huge kind of find and a big time kind of legendary match within the, the Slack group in the uh, and give the, the shout out to uh, Harry Zen former uh create a pro wrestler um for kind of being the champion of it with the the outsiders versus hot and spicy um and that made that made jamesy's top 10 for you know european matches of the decade and i can't argue with him you know that's a great match so yeah if you want to hear some uh some uk wrestling talk european wrestling talk go check out the uh, british wrestling experience obviously before 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 um, we move on from that i want to ask you you know put you on put you on the hot seat for a bit do you have a clear pick for yourself of the best match in Europe in the 2010s, just a sing, uh, sing, single match, not like you know, not trying to think between like you know, like I have a top three because you don't want to choose choose one match. Do you have a yeah, single yeah, yeah. match that that, that that sticks out for you as the as the European match of the decade? I mean, obviously, recency bias would make me say Devlin versus Star uh, from the the anniversary show. Um, which I know that you don't even consider their, that their best match. Um, but that's not, you know, obviously that's not it. Um, 
for some reason, the only other thing that sticks out in my head, and this is going to seem insane to a lot of people, is uh, that Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jeff Cobb match for the Rev Pro title. Um, yeah, you you you, you, you love loving that, that fucking match. Yeah, I that was that match was amazing to me just for everything about it from the way that Zack worked, the way that Cobb worked. Like it was really the the perfect performance from both guys for my taste and it's two guys who I love in general, but they really yeah, they just they they brought it in that setting. So that might be it and that I don't know, then I would have to like start thinking like that two out of three and you asked me to just say one, right? And, and no yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, I mean yeah, but like we can we could just we do, we could just crimp their whole thing and just make this a make this a <laughs> European match of the decade podcast. Right. The um was it I'm trying to think the AJ Styles versus uh Zack Saber Jr. title match that was the yeah, Rev that, Pro Championship yeah, that really yeah, kicked off Zack. Yeah, yeah, that was the same show from uh that's from the same show was the Marty versus Will match that got Meltzer talking about Osprey. Yeah, winner gets a, a wrestling action figure match. Yeah, they, which I don't yeah, know get, if that if that action figure ever happened. Yeah, Marty was really mad that Osprey was a wrestler on an action figure. <laughs> yeah, that was uh yeah I remember I remember that one being good. And then there's also the the Osprey versus Seidel two out of three falls match that could be in the conversation too. So yeah. <sighs> Fuck, there's a lot there. And then there's probably a Mark Haskins match that I'm not remembering that would actually be in the conversation. Haskins, well. versus, Haskins so, versus Mark Andrews. Haskins versus Osprey. Yes. Uh, so, so, yeah, for, there's... For me, it'd be like... Um, I, don't, I, don't, cause I, don't, I don't remember if you're as big of a, a fan of this match as me and uh, some other people were. But that Walter versus Zach match from Pumpkin Spice Progress from 2018. Like, <laughs> this is like fucking incredible Oh, to me. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was yes. like that was like that was my number two match of the year for 2018. So like, that that might that might be it for me. Um, if I if I just right. had to like sit there and like limit it to to one to one match, that would, that would probably be my one. Right, but then that just reminded me of the uh, the progress. I don't even know if it was for the championship, but Pete Dunne was the champion at the time when he wrestled uh, Zack Saber Jr. in Progress. That match was fucking phenomenal as well. Dude, that match, uh, that match is. Like the early stage, the early parts of that match is so good, and it's a shame that it lost <laughs> me. Like that, like like down the stretch, yeah. and it went to for like more like typical like indie bomb throwing shit because that match was like kind of uncomfortable, <laughs> like in, in like the first yeah, like, 10, was, like 10, 12 minutes of it. It was on the path to being a great match, and then and that's probably why I remember it as being better than it was because I haven't rewatched it in so long that I forget like how it finished and not being great. Another match another Pete Dunn match that would be in my conversation is Pete Dunn versus Osprey um, from attack pro for the, uh, the 24 uh, seven championship. That match was fucking amazing at the time. Yeah, and I remember yeah, being yeah, like, you love, yeah, you love that my shit. Mind. Yeah. So that's another one that could be in the conversation, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's really tough for me to pick like a, from the 2010s best European match. There was so much stuff. I think me and you both were so fucking gaga for so much stuff. Fuck, there's probably also like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Aussie Open versus CCK where they surprise win the championships. That match was fucking amazing. Plus, like, the it, the finish being so insane. Like, that's another yeah, or, one. Like, or, or even like, you know, like some like Chris Brooks versus like, or some of the Chris Brooks versus Nixon Newell matches. Like, yes. Like, like, like this. So that ladder match with the yeah. Bayside Heights versus CCK in the. Yeah. How do you fall from it? Yeah, like that match was amazing. 
it's it's a shame that like again it's not like it's undeserved and I think like the I think the European wrestling scene is gonna get looked back on as like oh man what the fuck were we thinking here but like there was some really good shit here and I and I talked about it when we did the top 100 that people like like Trent Seven and Mark Haskins like they're not gonna get remembered the way the way they probably the way they probably should be in a few in a few years time. right. Yeah, and especially you mentioned those two because of that Haskins promo that people love to talk about, you know. But yeah. Okay. Uh, have, all right. Have main event. Trent, Trent, have Trent Seven. You know, he was he was the target yeah. of it. So it was like the Haskins it, promo on Trent Seven. Yeah, you know, so, so so it's fitting that both of those guys are just probably going to be like, oh, remember Trent Seven and Mark Haskins? It's just like, ah, uh, they were good. They were pretty good. Yeah. Well, shit. I mean, you talk about that, and this is a guy that I always loved, and this is this match is probably part of why, like, grainy YouTube footage. Fight Club Pro when they used to actually have the the weird cage around the ring um, that wasn't even around the ring but it was like you know instead of a guardrail they had like a cage thing in the nightclub. Uh, Dave Mastiff versus Jonathan Gresham, you know, and I think yeah. that may that might even be pushing it and that might have actually been two thousands, but I think it was in the twenty tens, and like that match was like one of the matches that early on got me into UK wrestling and it was like that match was great, you know, like there's. A lot of that stuff that's just going to get completely forgotten and overlooked, and then people just think of Dave Mastiff as like what he was towards the end, and a lot of people don't like him, and I understand why. But like those people, I'm just kind of like, well, you didn't get the chance to really see when he was great, you know. And I totally understand not appreciating it, but there was a time when Dave Mastiff was really good, you know. And I, I understand not appreciating him because you just saw him when he's kind of like, you know, playing the hits to the crowds, and and a lot of the wrestlers in the UK scene. I mean, they do the the camps. They work for All Star, and they do the camps, and they figure out how to make the crowds pop. And they don't necessarily work super hard all the time. And then you get the guys who stand out, like a Zack Saber Jr., Will Ospreay. I mean, love him or hate him, you can't say that he doesn't bust his ass every time. There are those people who who stand out because they work really hard no matter what, you know. Yeah, and then massive, massive, especially because like. He was actually good. It's not like it's a, it's a thing where people pretended he was good, like like Big Demo or whatever. We have this like yeah. we have this period of Big Demo where it's like, oh, Big Demo used to be alright. It's like, no, he wasn't. Like like other than that Nakamura no. match, it's like, nah, he wasn't good. Yeah, he was. He had some of the like the worst matches with good wrestlers ever. Like that's like the sign of like Demo's like badness. Is like he was he was a guy that was like difficult for good wrestlers to have good matches with him. So you can say whatever you want, you know. Um, all right, Quentin, you ready to move on to the main event for this week? Yeah, totally. Um, fair, like fair, fair warning here. I did, I did not bother with this fucking Rumble match that was on this show, but, but everything fair, else, but fair. everything, but everything else I watched. Okay, yeah, I didn't, I haven't watched it either. Honestly, I'll be completely honest. I saw the the the, the finish, and I I appreciate the winner. Um, so I'll give them that. But uh, Black Label Pro, nobody. Puts Blaby, Blapey in a corner, BLP in a corner. Um, before we even start talking about the wrestling show, let's talk about the worst commentary team in wrestling, which is impressive because Kevin Gill does commentary, um, especially on that GCW show I talked about earlier where he was a fucking nightmare. Um, not giving a fuck Dave Prezak and like way too tongue-in-cheek Sarah Shockey, who's like, I don't know. That's I can't blame her if I'm perfectly honest because I don't think that she knows wrestling other than meme wrestling. You know what I mean? Like right. she doesn't understand what she's doing. I hate to say that because I feel like I'm like like it could come across like I'm being condescending because she's a woman or whatever. But like 
you know, even Marty DeRosa, who I think, like, I don't know if they're still dating, but at one point they were dating. Um, even him, I would say, like, the same thing. Like, I don't think that he has that, you know, appreciation of, of actual, like, what you're doing and just has this idea of, like, you know, kind of everything being tongue-in-cheek. And, like, it's just painful to listen to. Like, I can't... The commentary on this show is fucking atrocious. Am I off base on that? Did you did you enjoy the commentary here? No, but I've, I've gotten to a point where I just, I'm just, I just I just tune out Prazak. Um, you know, he, he, he to like speak talk about a guy that, at least for me, is kind of like his legacy is getting dampened every single time I went up catching him on a show. And you know, to be to, to be completely fair here, I've never been a big Prazak guy ever. Even in even in even in the ROH days, I was never a Prazak guy, which I think a lot of people. You know, they were they were really in the in pra, in the Prazak and Lenny and Lenny together, but you know, I've never liked Prazak, man. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I'm, you know, I'm a HDNet truther, so for me, the real you know great team is Prazak and Hog, Mike Hogwood, um, R.I.P. to the true king of commentary. Um, I hope that man is slapping porpoises in heaven right now. But uh, but yeah, like I, there is times where I thought that Prazak was good, but even like some of the best. Not even the best, but there is there was even at that time when Prazak was good. There's bad Prazak, like I IWA stuff where he's like commentating with Punk, especially um, where he's you know they're just joking and being yeah. Fucking, yeah and, and, and some people love that stuff, but it's just like that's just not that's not what I want from wrestling commentary. <laughs> so it's like right. You, no, it's like again, this is like gonna sound like blasphemous because I've never like put this opinion out there publicly, so it's gonna be fun. But like it's part of why I'm not I'm not a big Bobby Heenan fan historically. Because I, because for what I want commentary to be, like Bobby Heenan doesn't enhance anything. If anything, it's Bobby Heenan like overshadowing like a majority of the matches that he's calling. And and again, like for a commentary, that just does not appeal to me at all. That's I mean, that is entirely fair. And you're you're not wrong there. And I definitely could see, like you said, people seeing that as blasphemous and being upset. My thing is that I liked Bobby Heenan, so I like appreciated him and was like having fun because i was entertained by him but if you're coming at it without that affinity for him and you're just looking at it from like the really like kind of you know bare bones stereotypical what should you be doing commentary like technically not very good because he he did he overshadowed everything he really made everything about himself primarily he very rarely like you know like truthfully was like as a heel commentator, which people give him credit for, like, being the good version of it that was then ruined, which, like, if you really want to talk about, like, who was the, the real the, the, best the, 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 the real, commentator. The, the, real best heel, the real best heel commentator is Jesse Ventura. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. Yes, so thank you. Because as you interrupted me, I was like, God damn it, Quentin, I don't want to have to disagree with you. Yeah, Jesse Ventura was the best heel commentator because he was an ass. And you knew it. And, like, he would show ass and, like you believed that he believed what he was saying, but it made it very clear that he was full of shit. And Bobby just like, Bobby always had this air of like superiority that didn't, he didn't ever come across like you a hundred percent believed that he was full of shit. And it just didn't, to me, it just didn't work the same way. But like I said, I had an affinity for the brain and I appreciated what he was doing the same way that I would like basically going to a comedy show. You know, he had that charisma of a stand up comedian, not the charisma of a, of a wrestling commentator, which, you know, is not necessarily what you're looking for, but I, I enjoyed that. So you think like to be clear, like Bobby is an all time great personality. Like the best personality wrestling's ever had for my money, other than like other than like um 
like Heyman because Heyman just did everything like so so well. Right. But that's what I mean. Is where like Bobby, like I I really enjoy Bobby everywhere else. Like in uh like in like again like prom- in promo segments, man managing, all all that kind of stuff. But you know just as as a commentator, I want I want to feel like you're enhancing the action in. I don't want I don't want you to sit there and be taking away from that, which is like some people some people are some people do that and they're like overly heelish and overly stick heavy, which takes away from it. And that that would be like the category I'll put like Bobby in. Some people are like just way too full of their own shit when it comes to like you know how they're like just how they're gonna call wrestling and the way they want to call wrestling and that to a distraction. I think that's like more like more of Ronaldo, who just like goes right. completely insane with shoehorning in these pop culture references and it's like man like no one no one needed the fucking juice world reference like no one needed that that had nothing <laughs> that had nothing to do with anything no one needed the real housewives of atlanta reference you just did there why are you doing that like like and, and that and that kind of stuff takes away from commentary for me too so it's like you can say that uh, at that point as being a stickler like okay you just don't like most most commentary and that'll be fair but i just don't like when people are like going overboard with their shit yeah which I don't even know if I heard this, you know, Juice World reference that that uh, Morrow made. But the only thing that can cross my mind is that he like, you know, made some reference to that Keith Lee looks like he, you know, swallowed a thousand condoms full of cocaine or something, and he, he's just loaded like Juice World. I don't, I don't really know <laughs> what the uh, what the reference was there. But, but he, yeah, he was just uh, he was just you just like saying. I think he might have referenced like a Juice World song or whatever. Like I like like I don't like I don't know why. Was it, it before or after he died though? Well, it was after. Like it was it was it was it was okay. after he died. Yeah, it was um. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it might have been like it might have been the same week. Like it might have been like Juice World dies, and then the Roman was like, "Fuck, all right, man, gotta come up with this Juice World." Line. Gotta figure this one out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just I hope that we get uh, the the most meta possible wrestling thing with a uh, Moro Ronaldo uh, referencing JPEG Mafia because you know JPEG Mafia has WWE references in the song so often. Um, that would be kind of the pinnacle of 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 the whole Ouroboros of fucking terrible bullshit oh god that would fucking kill me (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah uh commentary on this show sucks that was basically what that diatribe was about uh the show itself pretty good i don't know what you thought about uh the show's pretty pretty great i thought um yeah like you know not like a black label pro show yeah for a black label for a black label pro show you know granted me and you aren't like big fans of big fans of the promotion but if you look at this, like you know, like for a good like four or five matches here, like that's a that's a pretty good stretch they were on here from the, from from beginning to like you know like the um near like nearing nearing the end of the show. Yeah, definitely. So open up, Alex Shelley, Isaiah Velasquez, uh, two guys who, obviously Alex Shelley, much more of a veteran than Isaiah, but Isaiah is not you know you know he's not uh, some greenhorn. He's been wrestling for quite a while and he's been very good for quite a while and a guy who's maybe a little maybe even honestly more overlooked than even alex shelley at this point but that's also you know his career is a lot shorter and he hasn't had as many big chances but two guys who are very much overlooked for just how talented they really are i think alex shelley is starting to get more respect that he deserves um for his level here but this match i mean it really showed off what makes both guys great in that they can do everything i mean on the mat, stiff strikes, flying, person, person personality, 
yeah, personality, character, connecting with the crowd, everything. And yeah, so this match fucking ruled. Uh, what did you think about this one? Shelly is so good, man. Uh, he just like just mid match start starts starting to heal on 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 Isaiah in the crowd. Just it's like just real randomly, Shelly starts being a dick. It's I, I love Shelly, dude. Uh, the you uh, you yeah, uh, you probably know that uh, ROH is doing this free show with uh. In Baltimore on the ninth, and I was already planning on going just because, like, all right, it's free. I can, I can, I can leave work a little bit early or just get off work that day and go and go watch that. And then they announced that they're doing Shelly versus Haskins on the show, and I'm like, fuck, I, I, I gotta go to this thing. I hope they make it a British rounds match. Oh man, that would. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, that that would that would rule. So I was like. I'm gonna I'm I'm go to this show and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to see like a lot of people I wanted, I've wanted to see for a long time like I wanted to see Roosh for a long time wanted to see Flamita Bandito Ray Horus um and and all that stuff I was like oh yeah cool and then like oh shit Alex Shelley and Mark Haskins like oh man I, I gotta go to this thing right that seals the deal there I mean that's worthwhile next match uh corn beef uh one called Manders and Gnarls uh beef. Big Beef Garvin versus, uh, you know, Violence is Forever, Dominic Garini and Kevin Koo. Uh, yeah, Quentin, give your thoughts on this one. Uh, four big mean guys beating the shit out of each other. Like this, like this is exactly what you thought it would be. Manders and, and Gnarls get the jump, jumped them before the bell and everything, jumped them in the entrance way, and from that point on, it's just a real nasty mean match and. Like if you're if you're looking for one for a match on here that like that fits like the prototypical banger bill, this this is that because if you want big heavy big heavy strikes, this this is this is this is your shit right here. There was a clunky bit a clunky bit here I think during the finish, but other than that, this was just four strong badass dudes taking the shit out of each other, and those chops were real nasty. They were laying on. Oh yeah, this is yeah this is a big hoss fight tag team match i mean you're not going to get anything on the same level as like uh you know um walter and and sakimoto versus hino and uh okabayashi but yeah. uh, you know this is about as close as you're going to get in america really um as just four badasses who carry themselves like badasses go to town the smallest guy in the match kevin Koo, really knows how to hold his own you know in a in a big fight feel we we talked about two matches already of his earlier in the in the the podcast but you know, this is a match where, again, he, he unfortunately in these tag team matches with Dom, he a lot of times ends up feeling like the weak link and the weakest person in the tag team match a lot of times. But uh, but he knows how to hold his own and come across like a badass. Huge shout out to to Manders this is a guy who I know puts a lot of thought and effort into everything he does. Just, you know, from interactions and having watched him for a while, I know that about him. And then Garvin, Gnarls Garvin, I think, is on the same level. You know, these t- two guys, not a fucking tag team, but they put together a tag team name that's cool and snappy, interesting, and they they work as a tag team. They have some, you know, tandem spots or some stereo spots, stuff that, that kind of, you know, works as a unit that they put together that makes sense. And it makes you want to see more. It really does. Like, I was like, I'm like, fuck, corn beef. I want to see some more corn beef matches, honestly. I want to see them going up against, like, the workhorsemen. And, hey, the fucking hooligans are back, right? I'd love to see corn beef versus the hooligans. Like, there's a lot of cool tag team matches now that I'd love to see from them. And and this match definitely got me excited for them. Um, 
Follow that up. Talk about a Haas fight. Follow that up with a Haas fight. AJ Gray versus Alexander Hammerstone. Two guys who I think are probably dark horses, like I talked about for me, and the wrestler of the year 2020 conversation. Hammerstone, obviously I've talked a little bit about him, but I do think that he's put it together in a way that 2020 could be his year. He's you know wrestling in Noah. Hopefully he gets to wrestle there more. Um, wrestling in MLW, getting to really have some shine in that MJF feud that he basically ends up winning. Um, and then you get stuff like this. I mean, Hammerstone, I think, poised to be a breakout and a guy that not maybe not everyone's talking about as much. I, you know, I talked about it. He from Arizona, I think, wrestled in Vegas, wrestled in Southern California regularly he, from he, early he, on. He, so I've seen he's him. Weird. It's like he's a guy that very much is like ascended in his region but it hasn't like translated and people think calling him like a marquee like next up indie name the way people talk about like like talk about like chris b or something like that where it's like hammerstone is huge in pcw huge in mlw but for some reason it doesn't feel like he's a guy that people are like oh yeah get that guy in gcw get this guy in all these other places it feels like you know he just sort of he just sort of hammerstone which which is which is weird to me yeah and you know he's he's doing really well in uh in wrestling without a cause as yeah. well you know so it is like there's certain spots that if you're paying attention you're seeing this guy's putting together a resume that should start to equate to people talking about him and they're they're not quite getting there but i think they're going to i heard you know the big audio nightmare guys mention him in in, in noah and wanting to see him have some matches in noah um you know wanting to, more stuff with him so i think he's gonna this could be a year. AJ Gray, I think, is more obvious. I think more and more people are seeing it. But this match was, again, you talk about bangers. This match is a fucking banger. These guys. And you know what? You talked about the finish on, on the tag match getting a little sloppy. This match, I mean, these guys are fucking pros. Big, beefy fuckers clattering the shit out of each other. And nothing looked sloppy. Everything looked like a fight. Everything looked like it had struggle. But pretty much everything was executed, like, smooth. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this this was this was interesting. It's like when you see the when you see these guys on paper, it's like Hammerstone, AJ Gray. You might get some real nutty spots for some guys for some guys their size, but what they do is they you know work this a little work this a little bit slower, more ba- more based on AJ selling and Hammerstone really healing it up here in, in, in Black Label Pro. And I thought that was an interesting turn here because you had the uh, sort of like like technical work and Isaiah versus Shelley. You had the big, you had the big bomb throwing match and violence is forever versus corn beef, and here you are with the more like slow in uh, really milk it, really milking the work here in, uh, in in Hammerstone versus AJ Gray, which I thought was a nice change of pace. Yeah, definitely. Follow that up with a really a clash of veterans. We talked about kind of veterans earlier with Alex Shelley, but this is two big time veterans, two guys who are also probably underappreciated veterans there was i remember this specifically and i've probably told this story on podcasts in the past but sitting at the bar at a pwg show i wasn't i was not drinking and he was also not drinking years and years ago with uh, uh rocky romero and telling him i think that secretly you're the best wrestler on the planet and nobody realizes it because he's just he's so good and he's so experienced and he had some breakout matches and best of the super juniors this year that some people started to appreciate just how good he is. But I think people overlook him because he's got so much personality, you know, but he's been wrestling for so long and he's been so fucking good for so long. He's always been, I think treated as a tag guy and he's going up in here against a guy, another guy who's a veteran who I think is completely overlooked for totally different reasons. He's basically overlooked because people just don't know who the fuck he is. A lot of places because he's, 
primarily only worked in Chikara, but another guy who's kind of a tag guy. He's thought of as being part of the Osirian portal um, against Ophidian. But uh, yeah, Quentin, what did you think of this one? Yeah, this is just two veteran dudes going out there and having a having a good ass match. Really plays with the idea of Ophidian having the advantage in a lot of the early, in a lot of the early work, and then Rocky Romero just kind of gets tired of his shit and starts working on his arm and beating the shit out of him. Which I, I, it's just like a nice little like subtle flip there. It's where it isn't like Rocky just saying like loses his mind like Hideki Suzuki and just mur- starts murdering the poor guy. <laughs> it's just sort of like okay, like I was playing I was playing around with you. But now, like here, I'm going to show you like why I'm so significantly better than you, and I just I just loved how quickly and subtly Rocky turned that on, and Ophidian follows that up with some armwork of his own, and Rocky's selling it well. But yeah, two veteran dudes having a super effective match for their spot on the card, and another one of those things where you look at it and it's like, man, like you take you take Rocky out of New Japan, and you just like throw him in the middle of this random ass indie show, and it happened with the what the fight too when he when he wrestled uh when he when he wrestled there. You just take him off, take him off, and put him on a random show, and you just see the level that that Rocky's operating at, and it's some incredible stuff. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there a little bit, but it's something that I think is not thought about. People talk about dueling limb work regularly when they talk about like the psychology of a wrestling match, but you you rarely see it done really well, like it was here, where it's like very tit for tat arm versus arm limb work. A lot of times you get like someone working an arm, someone working a leg. That's like kind of how they usually trade it off. You might get rarely you get people working over backs, necks, things like that. And they're trading back and forth. Someone working over the midsection in general, but this one you get arm work versus arm work. So it's, it does have that pettiness of being tit for tat. It's, it's, it's kind of like you said, it's, it's one guy starts going for the arm and the other guy goes like, Oh yeah, fuck you. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to work on an arm. And I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna work on yours. And then it is that veteran. It's it's a chess match. It's you know, it's two guys who are in there and they're they're doing the the king of sports, professional wrestling against each other, and really showing off their skills in the sense of like yeah, two guys who are on the smaller side so they can fly, but they also have a history of mat wrestling and being able to you know work over a limb and and just experience and. These guys are not rushing anything. They they understand. You slow down, right? When if you feel like you're going too slow, slow down, you know, and, and make it feel important and really kind of play that, you know, a couple moves ahead. This is a, a, a chess game, and it's you know, like again, another. I'm I'm hitting a lot of idioms here, but uh, you know, the the music between the notes, you know, all that stuff where it's like it's about to. <laughs> It's about really, you know, telling a story as two maestros are going at it. Um, it's about it's about the it's about, that the, up. it's about the things you don't do. Yes, exactly. I mean, that it's such a funny thing, but that is something that uh, that is said about wrestling, not professional wrestling, but amateur wrestling, right? Amateur wrestling is a sport that's that's the important moves are the moves that you can't see because of the speed with which like the stuff that really becomes critical in amateur wrestling happen. It's like almost you can't even notice it, but that's it's really true. And so, you know, in a setting like this, you kind of get the same thing. Um, follow that up with not veterans, but, you know, people who are at the the peaks of their kind of powers in a lot of ways, their overness, their storytelling, their kind of people being invested in them as characters. Your mileage may vary, Quentin, because I know that you maybe don't appreciate Warhorse as much as other people, but Warhorse versus Kylie Ray here. Um, it's a babyface versus babyface match, which intrinsically is going to be difficult. 
you've already had a mat or already had a show where everything was very clearly defined and everything really had its own lane. And then you come into this and it's the title match, but it doesn't feel like it's particularly suited for, you know, any kind of narrative that's really easy to follow other than the most basic narrative of it, which is that we talked about the Kylie Ray's on the path to having a career year on the path to being wrestler of the year in a lot of ways. Um, very possible. And that's kind of the only thing that stands out in this match. Warhorse, I hate to say it, but, and you know, I don't completely agree with you because I do. I think that Warhorse isn't, can be in a compelling character is pretty good. But in this match, he felt like he was kind of the canvas that Kylie Ray was getting to kind of show off on. And just her lovability. And part of that is because it's, you know, it's a, a face versus face match. So Warhorse didn't really get to, if he could have just, and he probably should have, but I can understand why you don't want to because this is a one-off match and he's going to continue to be the IWTV champion who's a clear babyface champion and you want him to continue being a babyface. But if he had sunk his teeth in and gotten to just play pure heel, it probably would have ended up being a better match overall from both people because Kylie Ray selling the back, the connection that she has with the crowd, her selling in general, all of it is like kind of the star of the match. And then having Warhorse, he again, he just feels like he's kind of just there. And it it sucks because that's just kind of what ends up happening because of he's basically in a situation where he's set up to fail because he's going to get outshined by an otherworldly babyface. And to have him be the second best babyface in the match is not really like a positive situation for him. So they do heal him. Um, obviously with the, with the fake out of, um, was it fucking dirty dancing or whatever, whatever the fuck they, whatever the fuck they were. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The early they, on thing. Yeah, they, they were emulating there and he's just like, no, we're not doing this. And he, uh, turns, it turns that into a backbreaker when, when Kylie, when Kylie comes in for her, for her, for, um, for him to for him to lift her up and everything, but like again, I, I don't hate I don't hate Warhorse. I think I don't think he's a bad wrestler. I think he's just super average. And um, even the things he's asked to do, I don't think he's I don't th- again I don't think he's very good at that. But he's car- but he's carved in a lane for himself, and you know that's that's good. But even if like ideally, okay, well Warhorse is firm heel and everything like. He's just not very good in control, and you know, like there, like there's times where you can be so good in control that it actually overshadows the match, right? So, perfect example. I I just watched Rod, Roderick Strong versus Keith Lee from NXT last night, um, and it's supposed to be this big moment, this big moment for Keith Lee. He wins, he wins the North American title and everything. So this was supposed to be a, feel like a big Keith Lee moment. It doesn't because Roderick Strong is so fucking good in, in this match, like just constantly terrorizing this dude's ankle. And Roderick Strong works at works in control this whole time. Instead of it feeling like this Keith Lee overcoming the odds and overcoming this 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 big obstacle in Roderick Strong, it feels like man, Roderick Strong might be like the best wrestler in the world. Like that, like that's the kind of performance Roddy gives. So even in even in control, you should like you're able like that's all that's on you. Like you should be able to to have a perform to have a performance like that. In Warhorse and Warhorse just isn't capable of that. As to where Kylie Ray is one of the best wrestlers in the world. So I just I just don't think there's any scenario as to where like Warhorse would have felt like he belonged, necessarily in the ring with Kylie Ray, even though he's just fine in it. Like 
even the, even the basic stuff he's asked to do, like his fucking finish, uh, where it's a supposed like this double stop over over a hunched over Kylie Ray to play off the back work. Like his double stop is fucking terrible. Even the even the basic stuff he's asked to do, he just he just doesn't even doesn't even do well. And at that at that point, at that point, that's just on that dude, and not like anyone's expectations. I mean, I can see where you're coming from in there, and I get it. You know, I think that we've talked about it, but you know, his best matches against Gary J and all that stuff. It's like he's not a control guy. He never has been. He's yeah. really better as an you know fighting from underneath guy. And hitting some some big spots like he can hit some really good looking sick like strikes in between yeah, as, 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 as opposed to like Kylie Ray where like again if you just watched Kylie Ray versus Kobe Durst you saw what, what mm-hmm. Kylie Ray did in the match where she was in control why didn't Kylie Ray right. work in, work in control then and let Warhorse do what he's what he's good at it, it just did not make the like the good use of him at all here and it you know, at least for me, kind of exposed Warhorse for how limited he really is. That's, I mean, that's pretty fair, definitely, to, to, to see it that way. And and Warhorse is pretty limited, really. I think that he's very good at what he does, and he's very good at the character stuff outside of the ring as well, which is what makes him a good champion, but or makes him a good champion for IWTV, right? But it doesn't necessarily always, execute, you know, deliver in the ring. Um but he is, I mean, his title reign is getting to a point where, you know, he's he's had the belt for quite a while, and I am starting to wonder, like, where you go next with the championship and with him in general. So we'll see. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't say that we disagree completely on the match. I think that I'm just a little bit more forgiving to, to Warhorse because I don't think, and I don't think you said he was bad here. I think neither one of us think that he was bad here, but just... He, it wasn't the best situation for him, and he felt like an afterthought in a lot of ways when you compare it to the Kylie Ray performance. Yeah, like, the, do you the, think the, that yeah, he was it, bad in this match? No, it just, it just doesn't help when you see how good Kylie was in it, which I, which I think is like it's like an right. accentuating thing. Like I said, like Keith Lee wasn't bad and wasn't bad at all in that in that Roderick Strong match. Keith Lee's actually is like actively very good. It's just that Roderick Strong is so good in that that you're like Jesus Christ, like Keith Lee, like are we are we sure we want to put the title on Keith Lee? Like Roderick Strong is. You know, he's, he's kind of the guy, and, and I think it's sort of, right. sort of sort of a similar thing. We're like, um, you know, Warhorse isn't as good in this isn't as good in this match as Keith Lee was in that one, but it's still sort of a similar thing where it's like, ah oh, man, you know, Warhorse, I get it, but like, Kylie Ray was Kylie Ray was was crazy in, in, in that in that thing. Right. I mean, for the past like four or five years, though, I've I think every year I've said I think that there's probably a good chance that Roderick Strong is actually the best wrestler on the planet. When you just talk about specifically like in ring and execution, I mean, he's fucking amazing. Like, I don't know. Can, can I say that? What? Like, can I say that? Like, I'm totally happy that if NXT boosted anyone's career, I'm ecstatic that it was Roderick Strong's. But at the same right. time, fuck everybody who just in love with Roderick Strong right now. But then in 2013, <laughs> was like calling him like ROH Randy Orton. Like you, you can go, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm saying, I'm like I'm I'm so happy that Rod that Roddy is gonna have this legacy as being like this all time great WWE WWE TV worker with just, with even within like the three 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 years maybe going on four years that he's been that he's been in the company but like man if you if you weren't lacking Roderick Strong in like 2012 2013 
2011, 2014, like, you know, need, need, need some apologies from you, honestly. Right. <laughs> well, there's the, like, there's the arguments about when did the, the, the switch flip with Roddy. And <sighs> as someone who was there in PWG watching it, like, to me, what I noticed and what I saw was that when he came back from AJ Styles breaking his neck, that was, like, the clear, this guy is otherworldly. Like, not just, he's always been good, obviously, but ever since then, it's like every year he's in my head as like, actually, I think if Roddy, if I was getting to see more Roddy matches, if I was getting, you know, he wasn't kind of hampered by WWE booking and settings, like this guy, there's no one better than him, really, when it comes to just in-ring execution. Yeah, I don't think I, don't think, I don't think I disagree with that at all. Like, so, and I know you don't watch NXT and all that stuff. But you really should watch Roddy versus Keith Lee. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna check that out. And I, it's not that I don't watch any NXT or WWE stuff. I just, you know, I I watch it and I keep it to myself, and it doesn't factor into my my gradings and my rankings anymore at all. Like, it's and you don't watch it. But I'll still watch it. You know, and you don't watch it enough to like consider it for like rankings either. Right. Exactly. And I know, like, and part of it too is that I know that like my opinions are tainted by the fact that I don't. You know, I just don't like the company. I don't like the production. I don't like the thing. So it's like, I just don't want to even begin to talk about it, like right. in the context of like, of like actually critiquing it, because I know that my opinions are tainted by my personal opinion on the company. Like, it's just that's I'm just trying to be objective and be fair and know that like I have to recuse myself from you know kind of counting it. But I do I do continue to watch some of this stuff because there is good stuff like Roddy versus Keith Lee will be a great match. Right. All right, following that up, we were talking about it earlier, IFHY, I think really kind of the IFHY guy, really in a lot of ways. Jonathan Wolf, to me yeah. at least, he feels like the standout of the group, going up against a guy who, really the opposite when you talk about standout, a guy who, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever been a huge fan of his, uh, got a chance in PWG and never got brought back. Um, w, w, you know, WWN got, doesn't really work out. And, got, yeah, got chances in WWN. Jason Cade. Um, I don't know. This match was fine. Yeah, that's fine. But it's, like, just, it, it's, a, it's a sort of felt like a reminder of like, man, J, man, Jason Cade is like, you know, like it felt like it felt like he was putting, like putting he was putting it together. With the uh, with the heel with the heel act with with uh, I think I think it was him and Veda Scott, right? Yeah, yeah. With the with the heel act that him and Veda Scott were putting together, and it's it just yeah, I don't I don't I don't know anywhere with him. He, he's just a guy that's gonna I think that's just gonna be around. I think uh, you know, he's gonna be in that sort of like uh, sort of like sort of like Ar Fox role where it's just like he's just always gonna be around. I don't I don't think anyone's ever gonna want to take a chance on him or sign or sign the guy or really things of things of him highly enough to put a title on him or anything. He's just a guy that's around now, which like I can't even, I can't even say is like a waste of Jason K. Cause like, it feels like Jason K is, is exactly where he should be. Right. Yeah. I can't, uh, I can't imagine. I mean, anything can happen. And even AR Fox, you mentioned him. Like I, th- I feel like AR Fox is like really good. Well, yeah, <laughs> you Air know, Fox like AR Fox is really good, but then like, like after like you know like like PW, like PWG uh, stopped using him and then uh, L, then the Lucha Underground run ends like you know he like he'll like he'll still work evolve but like Air Fox isn't gonna get a contract anywhere probably any like any no. any any time any time again school. yeah 
Yeah, Fox got his school. He's got his life set up. He's he's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- this was fine. Like, if any, if anything, this is probably uh probably the worst match on the show. But like, this like, you know, it, it's exactly what it is. It's like it's not super memorable. This is sort of like I I I kind of call this a cool down because like you've already had you've already had just like this big string of like matches that are all like wildly different and all good in their own ways. And then you're throwing this in between. You're throwing this right before the title match, and then the rumble, and then the rumble that's that's coming after this. So in, in a lot of ways, it was like sort of like a filler match. But you know, I, th- I thought this, right. I thought this was still fine, though. Yeah, it was fine. It's it's crazy though to think about it as a filler, forgettable match because we talked about, or you know, I mentioned and you mentioned IFHY being this group of kids that are young, hungry, and always do something insane that stands out. Then you got Jonathan Wolf, the guy who to me always feels like the standout even of that group as the one who does the craziest shit. And then at the end of the match, I'm just like, meh. And that just speaks to the Jason Cade situation that we were just talking about, where it's like even someone as fucking crazy and always does something cool as Jonathan Wolf, I end up with just like, don't care. You know, and J- so and, J- and Jason Cade does, yeah. does cool shit. Like that like that's the thing. <laughs> it's just like right. it's just like it's just like it's, it, this is a match just like completely devoid of that though. Yeah, there's just nothing there. Uh, main event here for me, <laughs> for us, probably for the show, because uh, neither one of us watched the Rumble and probably care to talk about it. Black Label Pro Championship match. Former champion, former left his boots in the ring. <laughs> Tom Lawler, filthy Tom Lawler, comes back out uh, to the Passion Pit Sleepyhead song, which we all love. Everyone knows and loves, and you love to see it. As he comes to the ring to put his his boots back on, the boots that he left in the ring, comes in the middle of the ring and puts him back on and luckily he laces him up tight to go up against eric stevens a disciple of of roderick strong who we just were kind of gushing over um and yeah i'll let you kind of give your opinions on this one quentin to start out what did you think of this um kind of kind of clunky at first like a lot of uh, the, the criticisms that i've seen of like uh tom like tom lawler from uh from from brock is like you know like even more than just like maybe like like being a thing that like isn't like exactly appealing to uh, his sensibilities, I think like Tom can be sort of clunky sometimes, which I totally agree with, and I think he's really on display here with someone like with Eric Stevens who can be really clunky too, and I think they both kind of uh, they're not doing any, each other any favors in that regard. And in a rare in a rare instance, I think like this like sort of like picking up the pace and going into this big like near fall heavy match kind of saves kind of saves it because I think the beginning of it is so sort of like. They're not. They don't have a good feel for each other, even though they're like in a unit together. Unit together in MLW, like like they're just they just don't have a great a great feel for what each other's trying to do in the ring. And I think like the near falls and going into going going more into that style actually sort of saved the match from falling apart. Yeah, I mean it's so funny because I didn't know where you were gonna go. I had no concept of what you were gonna say, and I was kind of ready to defend this match against you, but you basically have the same opinion that i did which is the opening up was fine if not maybe a little bit clunky and and possibly you could even say bad (laughs) to start out and then they hit the floor um with a dive and then they come back into the ring there's this (laughs) there's the egregious you know davy richards superplex no cell roll through uh, but then Eric Stevens hits the end of heartache. And as I talked about, like, you know, he's the Roderick Strong disciple. And then from there, he starts to wrestle like basically like the Roderick, like the, you know, 
six inches taller and not quite as crisp Roderick Strong, um, which is what I love to see from him. And, and a lot of times I watch him and I see the stuff that he does and I'm just like, man, if Roderick was just as tall as Eric Stevens, like he would have been a main eventer in WWE years ago. And it just right. sucks because like he, he's just barely now in NXT losing, you know, the North American championship to Keith Lee. Um, but yeah, the stuff that he hits where he's hitting kick-ass backbreakers, you know, Gibson bombs that the fucking commentary doesn't even make the reference to the fact that it's the fucking Gibson bomb. He's fighting for the stronghold repeatedly and the crowd is just calling it or the commentators calling it a Boston crab. This is the shit that drives me nuts about this commentary. You know what I mean? Cause there's, there is significance to the things that he's doing when it comes to someone who's on national television, who's a big ass star and deserves your respect and fucking Prazak should know. Prazak <laughs> was in ROH calling matches when Roddy was there. He, when Eric Stevens was there, even like fuck HDNet era Stevens was the time that he was a big star in ROH, whatever. But that stuff does irk me. But yeah, once this match broke down into near falls and big bombs, I was like, I fucking love this. And I am more of a detractor of that style of match than you. Like, historically, like, I'm kind of completely done with like New Japan big time main events a lot of times because of them devolving into that. But this match, it worked. And I think part of it was that I was I believed it. You know, there's a lot of times where the matches in other companies, especially New Japan, they get into these big near fall sequences and I just kind of know who's going to win, you know, and I don't buy into everything. But in this match, the hierarchy was was enough blurred to where it's like maybe Tom only lost the title because they thought he was leaving and he's back. Eric Stevens right. is retiring next year. Eric Stevens, no, he's retiring this year now. Eric Stevens says that he's only wrestling through WrestleMania weekend, right? So yeah. he's got to drop the title relatively soon. So as the near falls are hitting, I'm buying every one of them back and forth because I feel like either guy could win and I believe that either guy can win. Plus you get stuff, like I said, where I'm buying into it just from the context of being like a historical fan of like that Stevens is going for the stronghold repeatedly. And, and I loved when he cartwheels out of the reversal of the stronghold to look, to go back to it. And then the rear naked choke. And you know, there's just like a lot of stuff that I super buy into from the near falls. And plus I feel like either guy can win. So it really works. And that's not a match type and a match style that I like, you know, regularly, but this was like perfect execution of it. So yeah, I, I really dug it. I'm obviously a bigger fan of, of Tom Lawler than, than probably you and Brock. Um, and I can see the issues with his, stuff that he does being a little bit clunky. But like for for everything about him that's that's you know that I really appreciate, like he did kind of leave wrestling for like 10 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So even though he's like been a pro wrestler in quotes for all this time and people like act as if like he's a veteran, like he's not really been a, a pro wrestler for very long. So right. You know, he's not as smooth as he could be, you know, and Eric Stevens, another guy, he's, he took like a 10 year layoff and came back. So both these guys, like while they both wrestle pretty regularly now, they're still, you know, not fucking, you know, honed veterans who've been wrestling forever. And so the opening being a little bit whatever, you know, that makes sense. But yeah, for them to to execute like a bomb fest near falls back and forth where I repeatedly was buying into every near fall and all the bombs were hitting and, and, you know, there was, again, there was like some layered history stuff that I was buying into and enjoying. Like overall, I really enjoyed it for that. Yeah. It's, 
Yeah, like I really do think like going into that definitely definitely saved it. And you talk you talking about how um like the like the circumstances, just like knowing the history, knowing that Stevens is going to be retiring very soon. It just it, like it did add to the drama there. And again, as someone is like just like I'm throwing the show on on a whim. I'm not I don't have any real emotional investment in Stevens or Tom Lawler. And it's like man, like okay, well. I'm I'm believing these near falls because at any given moment it does feel like Stevens could realistically lose this thing to the guy that could still be wrestling for the company in the foreseeable future while when Stevens is going to be gone by April. So yeah, totally. I, th- I, th- I think in that, I think in that regard you're spot you're spot on and why and why those that the transition to the near falls worked. Yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah. So the main event is a rumble that neither one of us watched. Jake something wins it. Um. Okay. Cool. Just today, Jake something. Made his Beyond Wrestling debut. Um, Jake something, another guy who theoretically could be a breakout wrestler of, of 2020. Um, you know, obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about him here, but I think we're both in agreement in that respect. So, so yeah, we, you both, just said we, we cool. both like Jake. Like, definitely cool. Yeah. So a guy who I think you know has all the kind of makings of of possibly having a pretty good year here, and a Stevens versus Jake something match could be a lot of fun because Stevens. Even at his age, even you know, retiring. I mean, part of it is probably because he's leaving wrestling again in April. He seems very reticent to get concussions and just beat the fuck out of people and get beat the fuck out of. So Jake Something is definitely a guy who, big and at his size, is going to be apt to uh, to want to have the same kind of match with, with Eric Stevens. So that's definitely something that would be exciting to watch. Right. Um, all right, Quentin, anything else you want to hit on before we go? Um, you know, just if you haven't listened to the top 100 matches of 2019 that me and Brock did, I, I would recommend going back for it. I'm not someone that like usually like goes up there and like praises my own stuff, but like, I really, I really enjoyed the, the work, the work me and Brock did there. Um, especially, especially in the uh, third part where, you know, 2019 was a little, a little bit of a weird year. And I thought we did a did a really strong job covering it and really, uh, you know, having a big, a good bit of variance in all in all of our stuff as always. So, you know, if you're one of those people that don't like listening to the whole 100, like the idea of listening to people like go down 100 matches is super tedious. Then, even if you just did, did, did the top 25, which like, albeit still goes almost like five hours, like I, I, I think I think it's I, th- I think those are good shows. Yeah, I think that they're good shows too, and I wasn't on them, so that's saying a lot. Uh, I really enjoyed it <laughs> quite a bit. Um, and I'm with you that like if for some reason you can't listen to all three, which seems stupid to me that you wouldn't. But yeah, definitely you can listen to just the third part, um, and it's definitely worthwhile. There's a lot of matches in there that even I haven't seen, um, which you know means something because I watch an insane amount of wrestling as well. Um, and every year I listen to it, and the only thing I think is like I'm always happy that you know the setup set up this way because uh, I couldn't imagine the top 50 following the 100 matches yeah. honestly because. You guys are the main event. Like you guys, you and Brock doing the top fifty, is you know obviously much better. <laughs> you know this is me. I'll just say it. Like from my opinion, we do the primer. We talk about the top fifty. That's cool. It's usually a lot lighter. It's easier for me at least. It's you know, it's fine. I think that people enjoy it. I appreciate that people enjoy it. But the main event of the year is the top one hundred matches with you and Brock. So I'm happy that I don't have to follow that. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Quentin, you know, 
follow us on at QNTR. Again, like you said, it's pretty obvious that that's the name of the show. Um, <laughs> I guess that's that's the giveaway there. Um, Quentin, you want to say anything to the people before we actually completely finish? No, uh, next episode we'll be, we'll be back to review. Uh, we're going to be going heading back to Australia for the first time in a little bit and review, reviewing MCW's Vendetta 2020. So, you know, if you think Australia Australian wrestling is just fucking terrible, you don't listen to it. Then next week isn't next week isn't episode for you. So <laughs> we'll see you. We'll see you then. Yeah.